This podcast is sponsored by CDO Group, the industry leader providing a full range of construction and project management services. CDO Group has managed thousands of projects in all 50 states. Their group of experts provide systems, processes, and procedures to make sure that your projects turn over on time and on budget every single time. With over 24 years of experience, CDO Group is the industry's leader in construction management and general contracting services. To find them, go to cdogroup.com. Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. If you like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Hi, and welcome to the Future Development Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montategi, and today I am joined by the funny, the brilliant, the world's fastest reader. He holds a Guinness Book of World Record for reading. Not just that, he's got techniques for how to learn faster, but also how to retain the information. Today he's going to show us neat ways of doing that. I'm so excited to have him on the show. With that, let's give a big warm welcome for Howard Berg. Howard, welcome to the show. You know, I love the banter uh, that you and I have when we talk, uh, you know, when we talked offline, uh, to get to know you and your background and all the things you've done throughout the world, it is amazing book of work. And the fastest reader in the world is a title that, uh, you know, not many have, you're the only one that has it. So talk to this, let's back up a little bit and get to, how did that happen? Uh, and, uh, let's get to know Howard a little bit more. Well, the short answer would be I read faster than everyone else, but you probably would like a little more detail. <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, you know. So I grew up in the projects in Brooklyn in East New York. It wasn't the place you'd want to grow up. There was a tremendous amount of gangs. Very vi- It was West Side Story without the music and dancing. Uh, I met Bernardo. He had a knife. He wasn't smiling. He put it to my throat. That actually happened. And uh, it happened in school, actually. I was a school monitor, and someone pulled a knife on me when I asked for his pass. He said, what are you, he said, you going to do about it? I said, I'm going to hold the door. You can go anywhere you want. As far as I'm concerned, that's a good enough pass for me. <laughs> he said, are you playing with me? I said, no, 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 this isn't worth dying over. Feel free to go anywhere you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best answer right there. Right there. You can go anywhere you want. No problem. Don't 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 ignore anything I've told you before. Have a nice day. That was just, just leave. That was all I wanted. But so I grew up in a really bad place and I found the safest place to go in my neighborhood was the library. I never saw a single kid from a gang in the library, ever. I think it's it's like kryptonite the gang kids. So I read a lot. I had college reading when I was 11. I went to the State University of New York, Binghamton, which is the top, the top state university in the state for the colleges, for the state colleges. I majored in biology when I was 17. And when I was a junior, my second term, I got interested in the brain and how it works. There's a branch of biology called psycho biology, the biology behavior, not psychotic biology, that's Frankenstein. Anyway, so I went to the dean, I said, I want to major in psychobiology, and you didn't have a major, you had to do two majors. He said, well, you're a second term junior, you've had zero psych courses, you only have one year left, so I have to do four years of psych in one year, and finish bio, and take two four-hour labs. I meant six science courses, 18 credits of science, two four-hour labs, 
lab reports took 16 hours each because it was on a slide roll. So it was 40 hours of lab, 18 credits of science, and they had three jobs. So I made it a little interesting. So he said, you're not smart enough. And I said, he said, and I said, you know, they never taught us how to learn in school. I'm thinking you hear a song on the radio once, you remember your whole life. Then you read the seven habits of highly effective people and you don't know any habits the next day. It's got to be a way to learn the way you learn songs. I got up to 80 pages a minute, which is how I got in Guinness. Did the psych program in one year. I took the GRE, the, the, the graduate record exam in biology. So to review, I went to about 48 books in three nights, like genetics, biochemistry, cell physiology, plant systematics, not light reading. Right, I but, got but, but, uh, three questions wrong. 48 books. In three nights. In three nights. Well, hey, I'm a fast reader. That's so, right. That's right. You know, I, that's why I'm in the book. So anyway, <laughs> um, I got three questions wrong. I was in the 99th percentile. I got an 800. And then it was like, gee, I wonder if it's me or what I'm doing. There's a big difference between I can do it and anyone, anyone can't read 80 pages a minute, but they can read faster. So I taught these kids. They were 11 or 15, very young. We did a sophomore college course, Lifelong Developmental Psych. It was a 30-chapter book. They did it in one week, and I'll show you how that's done today. And 15 out of 18 passed the CLEP, which is the AP test, in a week and got full college credit. So I said, gee, it's not just that I can do it, I can teach it. And that, to me, opened up a whole world. And for the last 35 years, that's what I've been doing is teaching people how to learn and use information better. You know, and I think that's the part that I love about uh, your technologies. It's that you've got a very clear system and, and I, you know, in our pre-conversation got it. And, and that wasn't, uh, you know, it was under 30 minutes. I got the program and, and uh, I think it'd be great for our audience to really get this. And, you know, being an avid reader, I, I love reading, right? You know, it, it's, it's, it's a book a week. And then all of a sudden you said, uh, challenge me to go to a book a day. I'm like, all right. I, I think that's, that was, a, I, I thought a book a week was pretty good. And now you're saying, imagine what the world would be like if people read a book a day. There's there. That to me was fascinating. Oh, well, you know, Elon Musk reads two books a day, Bill Gates, I don't want to go for him for marriage counseling, but he seems to be good at making money. Uh, yeah, Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, Jack Ma, uh, all of them read a book a day. And I'm going to say it worked out pretty well for them. So I think that it, now reading a lot and learning a lot doesn't guarantee success, but knowing nothing guarantees failure. That's right. That's right. That's, that's a great line right there. So let's say that word. So, Knowing nothing guarantees failure. Reading a lot doesn't guarantee success, but but knowing no. nothing guarantees failure. And that's it's like a college degree doesn't right. mean you're going to be successful. That's right. It's better to have one than not, but that in itself isn't a, a guarantee that everything will work out. But it gives you a, a leg up. I think every decision you make is based on what you know. Well, I've read almost thirty thousand books, so if I'm an idiot, I'm well informed. <laughs> And my goal is to empower other people with this skill so we can make a better world because the world's in a lot of trouble. And I don't think anyone thinks it's because there's too many smart people making too many good decisions. Anyone who's watching the news, no one's told me that. I don't care if they're a liberal. I don't care if they're a conservative. I don't care if there's just so much genius on television. All you see is these brilliant people making all these good decisions. 
And we need people who can think. It's opinionated people with very little knowledge, uh, just holding up uh, holding up uh, ideas that they know nothing about. And I find it uh, uh, difficult at best to, I, I, I'm at a point now where the news has become such a difficult thing for me to watch. I don't trust it. It's not something that I'm, I'm able to participate in. You know, but reading for me was just such a joy. You know, I, uh, I turned over... Uh, you know, about five years ago, I started reading. Now, now, the first part was they told me I had ADD. I was taking medications, and I was committed to getting off of all medications. And I, and I was like, well, I, I'd stopped everything. I, I don't drink. I don't do any drugs. I, and I, I was committed to it. And uh, they said, you're going to have to find some meditation. You have to do meditation. And I had a hard time with the OM, you know, um, you know, and I, I had a hard yeah, time. If you have ADD, that wouldn't be a very good no, way to do it. No, it, it was very difficult for me to sit there and have no thoughts. And every, every you know, I, I couldn't hold a, a, a quiet moment for, for a few seconds and a rabbit would go through my brain. And But then I found reading. And at first, it was so difficult. I, was, I, had, a, I had a tough time in the first uh, several months that I was reading. And I would read, you know, they, I was committed to reading 10 pages every night. And I said, I'm going to read 10 pages no matter what every night. And uh, just getting through that, I, I rarely would even know what I read, just got done reading. And that was the way I started, right? And, but then slowly, as I started to uh, lessen the fog, and all of a sudden started to read it, I could read faster and I could, I, I could pick up more. And a lot of it had to do with training my brain. So when you start doing your, when you do your technique, talk a little bit about your practice. How, how do you get people to the speed level, speed reading? How does it work? Well, 10 pages take six seconds when, I, when I'm doing it, but I'll, I'll show you how that works. Okay. Um, when you're in a car and you're driving, you're looking in four directions, front, back, left, and right. And you're driving probably about 60, 70 miles an hour on a highway. But that's the slow cause from what I could tell. And you're watching your gauges, you're watching your GPS, you're bored, you turn on the radio, you're on the phone, you're talking to your friends in the car, all at the same time. And it's boring. You read a book at about 200 words a minute, that's the mode, and it's in front of you. And you're lucky next day, you know, 10%. And the difference is in the car, everything's visual. You're taking in movies. In a, in a book is a voice talking one word at a time. We're using our eyes to hear what we read. And that's what slows us down. Most people read about the same speed they speak because they're listening. And I'm going to show you a technique now for immediately going 20, 40% faster if you like. Yeah, I love it. I love that. Pick a book you've read, preferably nonfiction, which, which you know. So the only thing that can confuse you is how fast you're reading, not what you're reading. So if you don't know quantum physics and you're reading a book on quantum physics, there's probably a lot of reasons why you don't know what you're reading because right. nobody understands it. <laughs> Not even the people doing it. They even say, well, I don't know what, all we can tell you is what we're seeing, but we don't know what it means. Anyway, read a book for a minute with a timer and see how far you get. Do nothing special. Just see where you end up. Use a pen or pencil, mark off where you finish. You measured your reading speed in that book. Go to the second chapter, take your hand, go across one line at a time, eyes following your hand, all moving constantly. And the trick is go as fast as you could comprehend. So as long as you know what you're reading, go quicker and quicker till you don't. That's when you know you went too fast because you already know what you're reading. Slow down just enough so you understand. And at the top speed that you could comprehend for five minutes, move the eye one line at a time. 
I'll go back to the first chapter where you tested yourself. And again, for a minute, read with your hand as fast as you could comprehend. And that little line, you'll pass it by 20 to 40%, just doing that one change. It, it engages the eye. You mentioned ADD. It helps to keep you focused. It helps to keep the eye from jumping. It prevents things like visual regression, where people read the same words over. The, the dog, the dog ran, the dog ran home. It's many people will read like that. But with the eye constantly moving, you can't do it. So it gets rid of a lot of things that are keeping your speed too slow. I think that's that's right on right there. You know, being able to take the get the eye to because you're right. I, I think that a lot of times we get stopped by a word or we, you know, your 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 eye kind of lallygags uh, as it goes down the page. And being able to get it to go, all right, let's go, let's, let's continue to keep going. Oh, and then by the way. As it does that, it forces the eye to kind of catch the words faster as opposed to, uh, you know, I can kind of lallygag uh, through something and sometimes I even pay attention. It actually for focuses the eye on reading the word faster because the, 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 it's kind of in competition with the, with the hand. People with dyslexia and ADD, because most of them are extremely intelligent. Mm. My experience has been they're exceptionally intelligent. They're bored when they read because it's so slow. It's like, it's like chewing glass. It's so slow next to what they normally feel like doing. And as you're using your hand and getting physically involved with the book and not just staring at it, there's more mental stimulation, which is what their brains look for. ADD people are brilliant, but they multitask. They need, they need constant something to do. They can't sit still. And so sitting still with a book at a slow pace, like the speed at which you speak, drives them crazy. Using your hand brings it up to a more movie speed, which is much more what their brain likes. And it helps many of them. I can't say everyone, because people are unique. Everyone's different. But we've had a lot of success with ADD and dyslexia, and dyslexia using this system. No, I, I think that that's... You know, you get stuck in a pattern. You know, for sure, I did, right? I I, uh, I had a tough time in school. I would sit there with ants in my pants, the young man that I was, and and teachers would get frustrated. Finally, you know, go well, he must just not be, he must not be a learner. And today, you know, I'm able to learn so much faster than ever before. I, I the speed by which I can comprehend books, the the knowledge I, I can pick up, uh, you know, it's, it was all a matter of learning how to learn. Teaching in our schools is shut up and listen. That's not a leader. The people like you become leaders. They build companies. They hire other people who got A's to work for them. They're very good at focusing on 10 things at the same time and knowing what they're doing. For a child with ADD to sit still for six hours a day and just sit there and listen to someone babble about something they have no interest in is, is excruciatingly painful. And, and that's part of what's wrong. Instead of asking someone, are you smart, which is the wrong question, it's what makes you smart. Uh, everyone's different. Some Paul McCartney was not a good student. He was a brilliant musician. He made a billion dollars. I'm going to say he's not stupid. It's, it's not what you're not good at that you make a living at. It's what you're good at. And the schools are all making you feel, unless you're adequate at all things, you're adequate at nothing, which is wrong. Most people aren't good at all things. It's great if you can do well in school, but all that means is you can get good grades. 
on tests. You read and take tests well. That's a gift. That's a skill. It's a good skill. But that isn't going to make how many billionaire um, PhDs do you know? And I'm going to tell you this very, 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 very few. That's not what their brains are good at. That doesn't mean they're not really good at something else, but they're not very good at marketing or business as a whole. There are some, but if you think of the millions of PhDs in the world, how many of them have made it into the billionaire category? And I'm going to say maybe one or two percent. Out of, out of all the billionaires in the world. No, it's, it's tough. You know, the, uh, the thing I think I picked up most of about my education when I look backwards is that I'm very passionate about things today. And when I'm around people like like yourself that is passionate about reading and all the excitement you've brought to humans and, uh, you know, with your lead, uh, reading technique, you can feel your passion for reading, right? You can really tell that you've changed people's lives by giving, you know, the, the, the people you work with down in Haiti, the, the, the folks around the world where you give this gift of learning uh, to, uh, you know, you can tell you have a passion for that and it's changed people's lives. And I, I believe that that was a big par- uh, problem I had is a lot of the teachers I work with were not real, you know, they had a job they did, but there was not much of an interaction uh, between the, the the passion they had for the most of it was just get through the day without these damn kids bothering me, and it it was you know I, I found a couple of great teachers. There was a first grade teacher, Mrs. Edwards, and she just had a passion. She, I remember she she would just take care of me, and and then later on uh, when I get to sixth grade. I meet Milt Stringer, and Milt is my math teacher, and he teaches me math through scuba diving, and I remember that experience changed the way I interacted with numbers, right? Just the, just the whole technique and the way that he did it and, the, and, and, and who he was. It wasn't this memorize, uh, you know, one plus one. You know, it, it, it was more about why. Uh, you know, whenever we'd go 33 feet down, that was another atmosphere. And then all of a sudden, two of those were 66 and why the pressure of the tank would change. And all of a sudden, I was like doing complex algebraic equations and without even a blink, because I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to die down there. That's a good incentive. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great incentive. And then it's somewhere in there, you, you get that. And, you know, and I wanted to be a scuba diver. I wanted to be a scuba diver, right? The, having that, uh, uh, that feeling of being a, you know, I, I remember Jacques Cousteau. He was one of my favorite people. And what an adventure it was to be underwater. And, and I could do this. And, and that, you know, I think once we relate to that, it changes. And that's the thing at school. I think as it gets reformulated around the world, as as uh, technology comes into play, as AI really starts to affect it, uh, being able to adapt learning to the students. But, you know, but the problem is these schools are factories. They, they need to get large groups of people through it much, very quickly. And uh, some of that adaptive learning for the person is missing. It's exactly right. The kids like you are, are problems because you need more attention or stimulation. and. They can't be bothered. They've got 30 other people to, uh, to work with. So you become a write-off. You know, go away, leave me alone. I, I just want to get my pension and go home. And I did it for 10 years. And I worked in a bad school. I was in a school. My job interview was teachers get killed here. Do you want the job? I should have ran, but I was 21. I was like, nailed it. You know, <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting into. And uh, 2% graduated. Wow. So I said to the dean, uh, to the principal, I can help you. I can teach them how to learn. It's not in the curriculum. So they caught me helping kids learn. I was they would get they were failing everything. They couldn't they couldn't take tests. They couldn't read the book. So I was showing them in the bio course 
they asked me, how do you do the homework in the bio book, which I was using. So I was showing them how to find the answers to bio questions that they asked, asked me to do. The principal came in and he said, what are you doing? And I told him, they asked me to show them how to answer the questions I'm giving them a homework using any, you're not working. You're teaching learning. And he wrote down, I wasn't teaching and I was not doing my job because I was showing them how to learn. And I was answering the question they asked. And I quit after that. I said, I didn't come here to make kids stupid. That was not my intention. And two years later, the school got shut down because nobody graduated, 98% failure rate. Wow. So, that's tough. You know, and, you know, there was a, you know, that's the part of the ev- uh, the evolution of our society that, that's really been dramatic. You know, to, to see us go from, you know, we were very tribal groups of people, right? Before the Industrial Revolution, we were tribal. You and I might have been part of a hunting group, and we had elders that, that walked with us, that worked with us, that carried us. Uh, Eric and Jonathan uh, we might have been part of our group, and as we progressed on, you had an elder who said, okay, you're holding that spear right. You're you're setting that trap up right. You're, you're you know, and you, you'd maybe get marked, or you would get, uh, you, you'd you'd pass through uh, and you had someone who guided you, right? You had a one-on-one attention with them. And then the industrial revolution comes by. And now we have to bulk train and bulk prepare people to walk into this industrial uh, world. And we noticed that uh, people were left uh, feeling lifeless and dull. Uh, the drug use had escalated dramatically, you know, went from these hardworking people who, who could, couldn't see anything to now we're going to educate them in these, in these robotic ways of, of doing it. And now all of a sudden we see drug use and uh, people needing to check out because they just can't relate to the way they're learning, the, the lives they're living, and there's a separation from them. And now some of that pendulum is starting to swing backwards a little bit, right, where people are starting to spend a little bit more time. But I, I think it's it's really important for us to look at uh, how are we training them. You know, so you have a great way of, of, of teaching people to learn, Right, I, I, I know you got it. It's a five-step system that takes yes. you through how to learn. Why don't we go through that a little bit? Because I think that's a that's a fun. I like sp- that. Yeah. So I did step one, which is faster. But let's be honest. You no one really wants to read faster, learn faster, understand better. I don't like to read. I like to learn. And for me, reading is a screwdriver, and I love the results I get. So when I'm learning a new skill in a few hours' time, that it takes people months to learn. I do that every day. Every day I learn a new skill. So imagine in a year, if every day you learned something you couldn't do and did it well every single day. What would that do to your business, to your to your life, the quality of your relationships? So let's look at comprehension because I think that's more important than mm. speed. And the key to comprehension is a concept called schema. Now, schema is uh, hard to explain, but I could demonstrate it, which makes it easier. I'm going to read a passage with no schema and watch how confusing it is. And then I'll read it again with a one more title that has schema and instantly it'll make sense. So this is the schemaless text. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. There's no schema so that it's like, I don't really know what you're telling me. Now I'll read it again with a title and the title has schema. Laundry, this is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. So I'm using what I learned about the brain and I took graduate courses in reading and showing people what their brain is looking for 
to make sense of the page. So you can now read two, three, four times faster, even in very technical material like medicine, law, accounting, with better comprehension. Whereas in the old systems, it was all mechanics. It was just hand motions. And if you slowed down to learn a word, learn a name, you lost your speed. It was all or nothing. With this system, you could slow down and learn and go right back to reading fast again, which is really the way the brain is designed to work. It isn't designed to always go fast or always go slow. But we need to be able to throttle up when we need to at very high speed and then come back down where something really relevant, new and unknown appears and learn it, learn it rather than speed read it, learn it. So the next skill I'm going to discuss is memory. People say, Howard, you read fast. Do you remember anything? And I do. But I'm going to show you how it's done now. I'm going to give you one system of many. I'm going to give you 10 things to remember and not show you how, and I guarantee you won't succeed. Then I'll show you how, and I guarantee not only will you succeed, but backwards and forwards, and even three-year-olds can do this. And I, I speak from authority because I've taught three-year-olds. Here are the 10 things you want to remember. Pole, shoes, tricycle, car, glove, gun, dice, skate, cat, and bowling pins. And I'm willing to bet right now you don't know all, you may know some, but not all 10, and not backwards and forwards and effortlessly. Is that fair? That's fair. Now I'll show you some tricks for learning it. And by the way, this isn't a drill. It's a tool. You will use it. And so you remember 10% of what you read, 90% of what you say and do. So you and our audience say and do. You're going to want to remember this because it's a powerful tool. You will use it. The Greeks discovered a shortcut. Take a list you know. It's hanging in your memory. And what do we do with hangers? We hang things on it. I'm going to bet you and all of our audience can count to 10. I feel confident that I'm saying something that's true. That means those 10 numbers are hanging in there. We have 10 things to learn, one for each number. The first one is the number one, and it looks like a pole. Think of a flagpole or a lamp pole. It looks like a pole. So when I say one, you say pole. One. Pole. Perfect. Two is the number of shoes you wear. So two is shoes. What's two? Shoes. What's one? Pole. Three is a tricycle. Has three wheels. What's three? Tricycle. What's two? Shoes. What's one? Pole. Getting smarter now. Brain seeing what I'm doing. Four is a car. There's four tires on a car. Four is a car. What's four? Car. Two. Jump. Shoes. One. Pole. Three. Uh, A tricycle. Notice your brain's looking for your picture. Five is a glove. How many fingers are in a glove? Five, yes. What's five? Glove. Three. Tricycle. One. Pole. Six gun. In Texas, where I live, they love guns. I never had one, but cowboys like guns. Six gun. What's six? Set gun. Four. Four is a car. Two. Uh, Shoes. Perfect. Lucky seven and dice. Lucky seven. Seven is dice. What's seven? Dice. Five. Giving you a clue. Five is glove. Three. Tricycle. One. uh, Pole. Now we'll do... Holmes work. Say eight skate. Eight skate. Eight skate. What's eight? Skate. Six. What did they love in Texas? A six gun. Four. Car. Two. Shoes. Perfect. Now, nine is a cat. Has nine lives, so nine is cat. What's nine? Cat. Seven is lucky. What game? Uh, Dice. Five is a... Glove. Three. Tricycle. One. Pole. Last number is ten in the lane. Ten bowling pins. What's ten? Bowling pins. One. Pole. Two. Feet. 
Or shoes. Three. Tricycle. Four. Car. Five. Club. Six. Texas. Shoot. Gun. Seven's lucky. Lucky in. dice. Eight rhymes with. Skate. Nine is a. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nine, nine is a. Nine lives. Not cat. Cat, 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 cat. And ten. Uh, ten was the uh, bowling pins. Perfect. Now, I just taught you to speed learn numbers. Let me show you how. You ever been in a hotel and your room was say 314? By the time you got to the lobby, you forgot what room you were in. Yeah. It happens to everybody. It's hard to remember numbers, but numbers can be related to his pictures. Three is a tricycle, one is a pole, four is a car. Picture this, a tricycle hits a pole on a car. A tricycle hits a pole on a car. Tricycle, what number? Three. It's a pole. One. On a car. Four. That's your hotel room, tricycle, pole, car. Nice. And it's also pi in geometry for students that have trouble remembering numbers. So I do it in school for numbers, science, math, history, business people, room numbers, phone numbers, uh, skew numbers, due dates, percentages. And the zero is the 10 bowling pins because the alphabet in numbers is zero to nine. There are place values, units, tens, or hundreds, the only symbol that goes there is a zero or nine. Yep. And now you have a picture for every one of those places and you can string those pictures together in a meaningful way in a movie, play your movie and you can remember any number. That's awesome. So, so yeah. Wow. You know, when I think about it, I'm trying to, I'm trying to apply that to a phone number or, but yeah, that's great. So, you know, so all of a sudden I've got uh, a, a tricycle, a pole, and a and a and a car, and then uh, if I if I did my my, my own phone number uh, five three one five six zero, that that would be great. And uh, yeah, I can, I, glove, glove, six shooter, holding a gun, glove, yeah. glove, squeeze a gun. No, I got shoot, it. That's you're shooting a buck. You're shooting at a bowling pin. Yeah, no, that's glove, great. Gun, bowling. That's how you do it. Wow. That's Five six zero right there. Wow, and you can memorize any number using that combination. Any number, and that works pretty and damn just good. Just play back your movie, and you got the number. <laughs> All right, so that's is that number four? Was that number three. number three? Number three. Number four is EQ. This is very important. Imagine I'm teaching you to drive. You're ready for your road test. You go out and you fail. It's, Why did you fail? I got nervous. It was a test. You know anyone ever got nervous on a test? Sure. That's EQ. When I was teaching the U.S. Special Forces at Fort Bragg in the Royal Thai Army, they're very well trained. But sometimes they're on missions three, four days in a row, no sleep. They don't remember what they learned. They could get killed. So I'm going to show you how to wake up instantly, no matter what's going on. Now, ideally, we should stand. But because we're on the air and we have our mics, we'll do the seated. But later, when you replicate it, you'll get better results standing. Now we know the left side of the brain controls the right, the right, the left. Take your left hand with me, touch your right shoulder, right hand, touch your left, alternate. <clears throat> it's like the Macarena without the music. Perfect. Now if you're standing, which you're not, but grab your left hand and your right knee, right hand to your left knee. You can do it seated, but it'll be better when you're standing because the knee will move. So both sides of your brain are doing something. And grab your thumb like I am in your hand, Say this like you mean it. I feel great. I feel yes. great. Yeah. And that's what you, sometimes people say, I feel great. Well, that's how you'll feel. If you don't feel great, you're not going to feel great when you need it later. We're going to do three sets of these at my speed. 
And when you're done, I'm gonna show you how to use this to wake up anytime you need to. In a business meeting, taking a class, driving in traffic, you're in Chicago, I know there's traffic there. You know there's traffic there, and sometimes you get tired. Yeah. Driving late at night in the traffic. So, show the taps, my speed, ready? One, two, three, four, five, six. Knee taps, one, two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? I feel great. great. Yes. A little faster this time, ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, one. Two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? I feel great. I feel great. Just yeah. try as fast as you can possibly go. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? Great. Yes. Oh, there you go. Feel great. Smile. Now, you know what happens when you do this three times? Nothing. Now, you probably would like something, so let me show you that works. <laughs> Remember Pavlov? He rang a bell. I'm a rotary president. That's our bell. We rang a bell, we fed a dog, we rang a bell, we fed a dog, we rang a bell. The dog drooled. You don't want to drool. You do one more energy. You don't want to be in an important meeting, stand up and start tapping your shoulders. They will think something seriously wrong. <laughs> the latest studies show habits take 90 days. Every day, slow, medium, fast, slow, medium, fast. I feel great, yes. Now you're in an important meeting or in the car. Grab your thumb. Say to yourself, I feel great. Yes, that's your bell. Nice. And it wakes you up just like you just stimulated your brain. It takes a few weeks. It's not like going to happen in one day. But if you do it enough times, when you grab that thumb, you'll elicit the state. And so you can create all kinds of states. You can create relaxation for tests. You can create energy for work, focus, concentration, even brilliance. You can, you can, you can, Anchor the state to a trigger and, and, and then trigger the state when you need it. And that's what I was training them on. And this is a big thing in business. If you tell someone what to do, but they're in the wrong frame of mind to do it correctly, it may not work. What are you doing to get people in the right state so they can do what you're telling them successfully? If you'd like, I could give you an example from oh, yeah. my reading program. Yeah, yeah, it's good to go. Well, when I started doing this 35 years ago, I used to go to lunch every day with my students. Every other teacher ran away. I stayed and I asked them, and it was in different cities every day. And I said, what did you like? They tell me what they like. They said, what confused you? If I heard the same problem from more than one person in more than one city, I wasn't teaching it right. Because the only reason they had a problem was me. And a lot of people would say, you know, when you're teaching us to read backwards, I don't get it. It's driving me crazy. So when I now here's what I do. I want you to listen carefully. It's, it's all honest. In order to get you to read faster, I have to stop hearing the voice and turn it into a movie. But that doesn't happen instantly. What I need to do is overload your brain. The part of your brain that listens to a book can't keep up. So it's going to get confused, and that's good. I need it confused. That switches on the other part of your brain that watches the movie. But for a few minutes, you haven't learned the new way yet, and you can't use the old way. So nothing makes any sense, and you're confused. Normally, when you get confused, you're frustrated. For the first time in your life, listen carefully, because this is an induction. For the first time <laughs> in your life, as you're feeling more and more confused, you can relax. 
and you can feel wonderful knowing this is exactly what you need to get to the next level. So what do you think happened? People knew why they were getting confused. I told them to relax. That's a hypnotic induction. And they relaxed. Instead of panicking and saying this doesn't work, it will work if I could just get them over that anxiety. Now the anxiety is gone and I have like a 99% success rate. They have to speak the language. I have people who are bilingual and they don't speak enough English to read fast in English. And I can't make them read fast if they don't, I can't read fast in languages I don't speak either. So that's a problem I can't fix. I can teach them how to learn faster in another language, but uh, they still gotta learn the words. So that's an EQ situation that I use and it eliminated the anxiety people had going through that transition. And if you think about business, there are a lot of emotional issues that people must confront to do what you're telling them. What are you doing to alleviate that state and put them in the state they need, like the military does? They shoot live ammunition for a reason to terrify them. Because when they're getting shot for real, that's gonna be real bullets. And if they teach them drinking hot cocoa and watching a movie, they're not gonna feel that way when they're getting shot. And And the studies show the state you're in when you learn is the state you need to be in when you use it. So if you're in a calm, relaxed state when you're learning and a panic state when you're outputting the data, that mismatch will make it difficult to remember anything that you learned. And all you can remember is I knew this yesterday. I can't remember a damn thing right now. And that's where EQ comes in. And it's something every business person should be using to create higher performance, both in themselves and in others. It is getting this state of mind, I, I think it's one of the absolute triggers to learning it, it, or, or being, right? Being in the space, you know, uh, I, I watch it all day long when we have meetings and uh, I'll do one-on-ones with, with the leaders of the, of the companies I have. And when I'm there with them, what I notice is a lot of them are bringing into the room into, you know, when, we, when I do a one-on-one with somebody, I'm very, very focused on their conversation. And, and uh, you know, what I what, what hampers me the most is if they drag something, some part of their day into that, and they're not really there with me. They're 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 connected to something from their past. So we do an we do an exercise where we we get present to the room and we get present to us and we leave everything behind. In fact, there's a physicalness of of taking off your your computer watch or taking off your uh, leaving your devices outside the room and. When we walk in that room, we really get grounded to the floor and we really get to, to a place where the two of us are, you know, you know present to each other. And uh, that's it, good. That's it, good. You're doing it right. It really creates a state of being. We relax. It gives us a, a comfortable environment where it's, it's really locked in uh, and it gives us the ability to be. Uh, you know, in a special place that's different from the from the day to day office environment where you know things are coming out, the, the phones, uh, you know, even even when I'm quiet in my office, there's you know a uh, hundred noises going on at one time, and it's hard to be in the in, in the spot. So I think you're right. Being in state is a a, a great conversation. So I think that uh, in order to learn, uh, where are you at when you're le- when you're learning? What state are you in? Uh, to, to get there. That's, that's, that's awesome. Very important. Think of how many students get nervous on tests and they can't remember all the work they studied the night or weeks before. Not because they don't know it, because they're nervous and they can't think clearly. And that's true in a lot of work situations. 
people who are shy and have to speak in front of an audience. They may be extremely intelligent and very talented, but they're holding themselves back by their fear. And we can eliminate that. We can eliminate those states so they can be more productive and have more fulfilling lives and reach the level they deserve to reach with their performance, not being impaired by their emotional state. That's what the military spends a lot of time on in training the armed forces, the police departments, the fire. They train under very scary, very realistic conditions because that's the conditions they'll be in when they have to perform. And they've learned how to control their fear in that situation under the training. So now when it really happens, they're, they're in that same state that they trained in. That's an amazing spot to be, you know, uh, really getting connected to the, the environment uh, and, 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 you know, that state of mind, being present, being trained in it, uh, it's, it's awesome. So, all right, so that's number four, right? How about number five? I can give a lot more than five, but one of the things, oh, well, five would be what do you have to learn? If you ever had a book, you said, I don't even know where to begin. There is so much in this book I don't even know what to start learning. This I'm overwhelmed. Okay, so I'm gonna give you two tips here. First, I'm gonna show you uh, five things. If you just learn these five things, you will get an A in every course. And I'll show you a system for taking the notes that'll triple the amount you learn. And any anything you take notes on, whether it's a book or a lecture or or a seminar, triple the learning. So first, the five things. What are they? The first thing you need to learn is words. About 80 to 85% of a new topic is the vocabulary. So what words? Most textbooks, at least, they, they will make those words look different. They'll italicize them, bold, underline, color. Maybe there's a glossary. But the, the writer is saying, look at this. It's different. You need to pay attention. This is something you want to look at. Second, you want to learn names. Who's in the book? What did they do? There's a reason they're in the book. They did something. Third, what's the um, numbers, dates, statistics, and formula? Very important. They're not decorative. You have to know numbers are very important in business. Four, in any nonfiction book, for the most part, there's headings and subheadings. They separate, they're like file folders. They separate the themes and the topics that are covered. One, one is the ear, another one's the nose, another one's the mouth. It's separate, and they have a bolded heading, the ear, the nose, the mouth. It separates. And what are the five most important takeaways in every section that has a header? And the last thing is questions. Now, most textbooks have questions at the end. This is an extra credit. If you know what has questions at the end, read them first. How many times did you get to the end of 50, 60 pages? There were 20, 30 questions. You didn't know any answers. You got to go back and look for them. What if you read the questions first? You knew what you were looking for before you even looked. Now, when you found it, you'd say, that's one of the things. How do you know it's important? They wrote the book. They're telling you when you're done, you should know this. You don't know this. That's why you bought the book. So if you're not sure what to learn, they're telling you, learn this, 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 and this, and you miss it, and you're going to go looking all over again. So know ahead of time what you're looking for. So here's how I like to take notes. 
I like to set up a table in Word, three columns. The first column is what normal people write. This is what I'm reading and learning, or this is what they're saying in the workshop. That's it. That's 99% of what people do. They're missing the other two thirds. The second column are your insights. Why is this important? What is it related to? How can I, and then here's a big one. What did they do to make this interesting? Did they tell a story? Did they tell a joke? Did they show a movie? Whatever it is they did, it got your attention. Now, what did you learn? When you're doing something to teach people, that gets people's attention because it worked on you. Mm-hmm. Write that in the second column. In the last column, how will you use this? I'm reading a marketing book. I'm writing in the third column what I'm going to do to sell my reading program using that idea. And then when I go home, I'm going to look for all the things I said I was going to do, and I do them. It takes two or three a day. And when you learn, you learn by doing, not looking, not listening, not watching, by doing. And by doing each of those things that you learned in sequence, you'll master it. As you begin seeing your profits going up, your sales going up, you see greater customer acquisition and retention rates going up. Your brain isn't going to forget that. It's rewarding itself with its performance enhancement. Now, when you're doing those five things, the first column is the word. The second column is the meaning. The first column is the name. The second column is the accomplishment. The first column is the number date statistical formula. The second column is the application. The first column is a thematic question on one of the five things you're going to learn in that chapter. And lastly, question and answer, question and answer, question and answer. And if you do what I'm telling you, you'll see your, your performance go through the ceiling. There's more to it, obviously. We don't have four hours to teach this today. In the full program, and people who are interested, they go to Berg Learning, berglearning.com. That's the full program and it will give them everything. I think this is where we got to go right now. So I, I, I want to make sure that we highlight this program because it is changing lives around the world, right? Uh, Howard, you have done, you know, not just being, you know, it's, it's kind of fun being the world's fastest leader. Love that. And I love that you're teaching, you know, uh, you know, the, I still can go back and forth on that list uh, without even without even blinking. You know, uh, pole, uh, feet, shoes, uh, tricycle, uh, car, uh, uh, glove, uh, six shooter, uh, lucky seven, dice. Uh, I could go. Uh, eight, uh, eight was uh, hold on. Eight, 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 eight. I skate eight, and then we got uh, we got nine was uh, we nine lives, and we got uh, you know it was just great to go through this whole process and and. That's one great skill, right here. Just and that, that could have taken a couple of minutes to get that to happen. That course you have, this online Berg. So, so we, we go to Berg. It's in 109 languages. That's 109. 109. It's in 109 languages. I don't care what you speak, whatever country you're in. I'm going to say 40 percent of my sales are overseas, and it's in 109 languages. I don't care if you read Chinese, Japanese, Korean. If you if you read. Fossey, it's there. So Howard, it's at uh, Berg.com. Berg Learning. Berg Learning. Berg Learning. Dot com. And it's B-E-R-G because sometimes people spell the name Berg a little differently. Berg. B-E-R-G. Berg Learning. Dot com. And it's reading. There's writing. There's memory. There's. We didn't have time, but 
I could show you to write a book in a day. I wrote my last book in five hours. They went number one on Amazon the next day. And it's as hard to do as the memory skill. It's just about having the right system. When you have the right system in place, you can do it. Think of what Harry Ford did with, with systems. That's it revolutionized every industry in the world, not just the auto industry. It was a system that made it work. And when you have the right system, difficult things become simple. Howard, you are changing lives and your entire career of work and body of work is one of joy. It brings me such joy to, to interview you and have you on the show. I uh, look forward to having you on the show again. And I, uh, I like that. I, I, I've loved this. I love their pre-call. I could not do this fast enough. I uh, You bring much joy. I hope uh, Florida brings you a lot of love down there uh, during the wintertime this year. And uh, with that, I want to say thank you. Thank you. We'll uh, make sure our audience gets to berglearning.com and uh, look look it up and make sure that uh, we're spreading the word on this amazing technique. Uh, Howard, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Monategi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry. Finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.